morning, Coastal Church. Pastor Sean here, great worshiping with you. I wanted to take a moment and introduce our up-and-coming sermon series. We're doing a three-week series on Thanksgiving, just to prepare us, of course, for our Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, one of the things I love about Thanksgiving, it really is the natural uh, overflow of knowing our Savior, Jesus Christ. In fact, Psalm 100 tells us that we enter into the gates of our God with thanksgiving into our, our hearts and into his courts with praise. And so to me, if we are genuine followers of Jesus Christ, then the natural overflow of following him is thanksgiving. So let's take these next three weeks, look at the word of God, prepare our hearts to hear from God's word and have hearts that are joyful, filled with thanksgiving. God bless. Be thankful for a father in heaven who cares for his children. We should be thankful that he is God. For the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. This is God. This is God. He spoke and galaxies appeared. This is God who spoke in beasts of the field and birds of the air and fish of the sea came into existence, who could form man from the dust of the earth and with one rib could form an entire woman. He split the sea in two, causing them to stand like walls so the Israelites could walk through on dry land. This is God brought one city to its knees through the holler and scream of mortal beings, gave one man the ability and the strength to single-handedly slaughter a thousand men with nothing but a donkey's jawbone. This is a mighty God who cares for you. This is who we should be thankful to and thankful for. So there's a story, man, and I, I was reading this story uh, this week, and it just absolutely blew my mind. This story is just, it's just so profound. So in the early 400s, there was this Irish king, and this Irish king was very, very evil, and he wanted to celebrate this pagan, druid, very dark holiday. And so one of the things that this Irish king told all the people of the kingdom was there could be no lights lit on this day, no candles, no fires, absolutely nothing. The whole kingdom had to be completely submerged into nothing but complete darkness. There was a Christian that was living inside of that kingdom. And this Christian said, I know this is going to be an act of defiance, but I want the light of Jesus to be shown in this dark time, no matter what the cost is, even if it means my life. So this Christian climbs atop this mountain called Slain Hill. And what he does in the most utter defiance thing that you could ever do of a ruler, he lights the largest fire that you could possibly light from the top of the mountain. So that way, when everybody woke up, they were able to go and see the light because he wanted people to see Jesus, even in the midst of this dark time. That individual was St. Patrick. And so here's what St. Patrick did. As soon as the king woke up, he saw this great fire, this act of utter defiance. He summoned St. Patrick to come to, into the kingdom. And you know what the king said? I have the most amount of respect for you. I could put you to death. I have that authority. But instead, I'm going to allow you to live because of how committed you are to your relationship with your God. And St. Patrick's ministry continued. Now, this is not where the story ends. Fast forward 300 years later, there is a monk that finds out about this story and he writes this poem about St. Patrick's life. It was called 
and I don't know Gaelic very well, so it's rot tu me bail. And that translates into our modern English into be thou my vision. Sound familiar? So fast forward another thousand years later and we get to like 1912. And so inside of this monastery, that poem had been preserved. And so they discover this poem and what they do is they say, okay, we need to put this, this poem to song, to hymn. And that poem became Be Thou My Vision that we sing in churches across the world today. We have a lot to be thankful for as we walk into this Thanksgiving season, but I don't want you to miss it. It's not just the Thanksgiving season that we should be thankful. It is through all seasons that we should be thankful for everything that God is consistently doing in our lives. It doesn't just start and stop as soon as we enter the holiday season. And I am the chief offender of that. Whenever I go into Thanksgiving, whenever I go into Christmas, I love it for all the wrong reasons. I miss Jesus in that moment. And today we're gonna to talk about nine guys that missed it and one who figured it out. Please, if you will, turn with me in your Bibles. We're gonna be in Luke chapter 17 and we're gonna be walking through verses 11 through 19. And as you're turning there, I just wanna provide some context as to what's been happening in the life and body of our church first and then what's going on inside of the scriptures. So what's been going on in the life and body of our church? We've been proclaiming evangelism. We've been teaching that through a series. Our pastor just got done of walking through the end of that, which was on Revelation. And we've been talking about going and making disciples. Here's what I want you to know and understand and be thankful for. We have a church that is willing to raise up disciples and then go and send them out into their community. You have the opportunity to go be the hands and feet of Christ, to go proclaim the gospel of truth to your neighbors. It's a lost art inside of our world. And so the burden, we share this collectively to go and follow that great commission, to go and labor together as we try our best to reach a very, very broken and distraught world. And as we get into this passage of scripture today, that world is no different than what Jesus was walking through. It's still broken, it's still distraught. And at this point in time in Jesus's ministry, he is going to be traveling and doing life with his disciples and with the people that are there. And so we get to unpack this passage of scripture that you've heard in Sunday school time and time and time again. But I don't want you to miss what the nine guys missed and the one guy found out. So we're gonna go on ahead and start reading in verse 11. It says this, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus's feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered, we're not 10 cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your word of truth. We thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your compassion, for your loving kindness. We thank you that we get the opportunity to walk into these church doors today, Father God, and worship you where other brothers and sisters of Christ don't have that opportunity but they have to do so in hiding. Father God, we just pray that you would continue um, to grow this church, 
Help us go and make disciples, not only here inside of this church, but also inside of our community as well. Lord, you're so good and so kind to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So when we look at this passage of scripture again, it is really easy just to glance over it and really simply just say, okay, there were 10 lepers that were there and then Jesus healed them, that's it, we can go home. If we look at it from that perspective, we miss a myriad of deep and rich theological lessons that we can go and unpack. So let's start over again in verse 11. We're gonna start in verses 11 and 13. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 leopards who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Whenever I read the passage about a leper, I always think back to the movie, Ben-Hur, okay? It's like a three hour movie. I've seen it. It takes a long time to watch but it teaches a really great lesson about the lepers and about Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and how he worked through an individual. And so for us, like when, when, I, when I hear this and when I see this, I just think of the shame that these people wear. Just, just the sheer shame that they wear having and being diseased across their whole body. And this isn't something that's just like an easy fix, okay? It is, a, it is a lifelong disease for some people. There's cleansing that is involved with it. And unfortunately, we don't have the time to unpack all that cleansing. But if you wanna go and study it, Leviticus chapter 14 maps out cleansing for lepers and maps out cleansing for the homes of the lepers that are living in. So I would encourage you guys to, gals, to go on ahead and read that. But man, there's just such this level of shame that comes with being a leper and being diseased. And when we read this passage of scripture, what we miss is the spiritual applications that are there. Okay, just as much as the leprosy disease is so bad and so painful, so is our sin. We are all spiritual lepers. There is a spiritual weight and affliction. Now, with actual disease leprosy, it's gonna show. But what we do really good job of is we love to hide some of the spiritual leprosy that we're doing, like encountering inside of our lives. And I'm the chief most, chief most offender of that. And so we, we don't want our problems to show. And so we try to hide our sins. And so when we do those things, here's what we don't understand. It just plagues us, it afflicts us to the point where it utterly consumes us. There's a reason why we're supposed to confess our sins before the Lord and also find individuals in a discipleship mentorship relationship to confess those things too because they are able to help love us through it. And now I'm not talking about, it's not always gonna be affirmation, affirmation, affirmation. Affirmation is a part of it. But it's also that tough love that says, hey, how did you mess up? This is where you messed up. And then what are we gonna do to get out of it? And so there are moments where we can go and look back at our lives and we can praise God that we have those people inside of our lives. And then some of us might be sitting here today saying, well, I don't have that person. We have a church that's here that is full of people that are more than willing to take the time to disciple, mentor, and love you through whatever you may be walking through. But do not forsake the affliction and the pain that comes with, comes with spiritual leprosy. Do not forsake it, endure it. There's a difference. The casting aside versus enduring and being able to walk alongside of somebody as you go and find healing. Notice what they yell. Jesus, master, have mercy on us. They understood Jesus's authority by calling him master, teacher, rabbi. Have mercy on us. A lot of times when we think of the word mercy, we think, okay, this is God withholding the judgment that we do deserve. And that is a right biblical definition of what mercy is, but there's a deeper layer to it. 
It's compassion. Jesus, master, have compassion on us. Look at me. See me. So check this out. Go in your Bibles with me. We're going to do some hopping real quick. Leviticus. And we're going to go on ahead and be in Leviticus. And we're going to be in chapter 13 and verse 46. Here's what it says. Just to give you the context of what these individuals who are afflicted by leprosy have to go through. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. They are completely ostracized from society. Just like before Christ, we are ostracized from God and it is through the salvific work of Jesus Christ through his death on the cross, his burial and his resurrection that we have the opportunity to walk into a relationship with him. We become restored. But these individuals are completely ostracized from community. And again, this is reinforced in Numbers chapter five, verses two through three. Command the people of Israel that they put out of the camp everyone who is leprous or has a discharge and everyone who is unclean through contact with the dead. You shall put out both male and female, putting them outside the camp and they may not defile their camp in the midst of which I dwell. So these people were completely removed from what would be their normal society in their day-to-day life and they were forced to walk through life together. And at that point, They cry out for healing. They cry out for God to work a miracle. And so here's what Jesus says. Here's what Jesus says, and this is so profound. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Why did they have to show themselves to their priest? This is our first point. It's because the 10 lepers were ceremonially defiled. They were unclean. And part of the restoration process of the lepers, they had to go to present themselves in front of the high priest and say, hey, look, I'm clean. Now can I go on ahead and begin this cleansing that I'm supposed to do in order for me to reenter back into society? But I don't want you to miss that. They were not clean. They were dirty. Just like sin dirties and mars us. And so when we breeze through passages like this, we miss those key truths. We can look at this and what we can see is it's it's evident that this is not just a physical lesson that Jesus is teaching us, but it's also a spiritual one. Without Christ, I am unclean. I'm not worthy to present myself before God because of my sin. And it is through the blood of Jesus that I have the opportunity to walk into a relationship with the Lord Almighty. And we forget that. And we can make all the excuses that we want. We can say, well, my culture helps facilitate this thing where I'm like entitled, I'm prideful, I can do whatever I want. We need to stop blaming our problems on our culture and just take ownership for the fact that we missed it. It's not our culture's fault. It's our fault. Own it. When we make a mistake, when we sin, you have to own it. That is the right thing to do. But if, we always, if it's always somebody else's fault, if it's always somebody else's problem, then you're always gonna miss out on the opportunities that God places right in front of your face if you just humble yourself and say, I'm dirty. I'm dirty. And so we see that Jesus tells him to go to the high priest in verse 14. And at the end of verse 14, here's what they said. And as they, were, as they went, they were what? They were cleansed. So this healing occurred as they went to go and see the high priest. 
Notice how the healing didn't occur when they got to the high priest. It was as they were going. So here's what this means. They would have had to notice as they were walking along that they were becoming healed. Which makes what we're about to walk through even more bitter and painful. Because if you have an awareness that you are being healed, that you are being delivered, that, you, that God is continuing to do amazing things inside of your life, and you see them happen, but you choose not to go ahead and acknowledge it, we fail and we miss it. And here's how they missed it. Verse 15. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. Only one out of the 10 turned back because he realized, hold up, wait a minute. I'm healed. I've been delivered. What does that say about the other nine? They were just ready to go on with their lives. Here's where I make this mistake. And I think that any healthy thing, any, any healthy person, you have to own your mistakes. And if we're spiritual leaders inside of God's church, we gotta own our mistakes as well. So here's my mistake. Whenever I'm walking through a season where I have the opportunity to say, thank you, God, God ends up being the last person I thank. And I miss that. Because here's what happens. I text my friends. I say, hey man, I'm really going through this. Can, can you guys just be praying for me? And then I see the prayers being answered. Like again, like I, I am praying as well. God, please just deliver me from whatever it is. I see the prayers being answered. I see God working and moving. And you know what I do? My first thing, my first, my first instinct, and I'm having to recondition myself to work on this. This is how convicting this message was to me. I'm having to recondition myself on this. My first instinct is to say thank you to my friends. And I'm not saying thank you to your friends is a bad thing. It's a good thing. But it's the order in which we give thanks. That's the important thing. I say thank you to my friends. A lot of times I say thank you to my wife first. Right? I say thank you to my family. And then you know what? I just go about my day. And we live in this culture where our, our, like Hollywood and TV and the movies, go be your hero. Go be Wonder Woman, Captain America, Superman, Batman. Go be a hero. And a lot of times when we read God's word, we read ourselves into the person who did the right thing. In my life, when it comes to giving thanks, I'm one of the nine that miss it. And I'm trying to fix that. And so when we walk through this life, we're not always the hero in the story, right? We are individuals that are inherently evil. We're not good. But we, through the blood of Christ, we have the opportunity to choose to do what is right. That doesn't mean that we're still gonna walk through temptations. That doesn't mean that we're gonna stop experiencing things as we go through this life. But it also doesn't mean that we have the excuse. We have the opportunity to choose to do what is right. We have the opportunity to thank God first. But you know what the biggest tension in my life when it comes to not thanking God first? It's pride. It's pride. I think I worked my way through it. In reality, it was God working through me, through other people, working in my life. And because of that, he is deserving and worthy of all praise. And that's what we miss. We miss that God is worthy of our praise. And as we enter this Thanksgiving season, like I said, man, I love that Starbucks has their Christmas themed drinks out. I've been going every single day this week, religiously, all right? 
I love that Christmas music has started to play. Some of you are like, man, we gotta get through Thanksgiving first. I love that we get to go and have Thanksgiving with our family, that we get to go watch football, that we go get to do all these awesome things that are here with the festivities of the holiday. But every single time I go through this, this, this season of life, I catch myself, I'm like, crap, I missed it again. I was so focused on all the cool things about this holiday season that I missed the opportunity to be thankful to God for what he's done for me throughout the course of my life. And that's where the nine guys missed it. They looked at their skin, they saw that they were healed and they kept going and they wanted to just go present themselves to the high priest, reintroduce themselves into society and continue to go on with their life. And they missed God in that moment. But here's what this, this individual who came back didn't miss. He didn't miss God because one return, even though one returned and nine missed it, and that's your third point, even though one returned and nine missed it, that one who returned taught us a beautiful lesson about what faith in Christ really looks like. Verse 16, we're continuing about this individual who fell on his face and he fell on his face at Jesus's feet, giving him thanks. Now, and this is my favorite portion of this entire scripture. Now he was a Samaritan. He wasn't even a Jew. He was a Gentile and he got it. So what does that tell us? Well, that tells us, number one, the gospel is open for us, right? But here's what that also tells us. What that also tells us, this Samaritan, and by the way, the relationship between the Jews and the Samaritans was not good. They treated the Samaritans like dogs. They weren't even worthy for the scraps on the table. But this Samaritan realized something that all the other guys missed. This individual sent me to go to the high priest. He said, present yourself and show that you're cleansed. But as I began walking and I see that I was cleansed, I realized that I had just come into an encounter with somebody who has the authority to heal. So the Samaritan comes back and he falls on his face and he worships the Lord because he just realized who did the healing. And that was the son of God. And that's what all the other nine missed. But this Samaritan, this Gentile, this individual who's considered a dog, that's what he got. And so as you go through life, don't just take the season in, of thanksgiving and just say, man, I'm gonna praise and thank God. Our life should be a worshipful posture of thankfulness. We should praise God for all the things that he has provided for us through the hardships even, through all the things that he is going to do in our lives and all the things that he has done because he is worthy of it all. And here's how this ties back into that story I told you earlier. We're talking about be thou my vision. If you listen to the words of that hymn, it's be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, right? We know scripturally out of the mouth comes the abundance of what? The heart. So if Jesus really is the Lord of our heart, then the things that we have in our heart are gonna come out of our mouth. So that means your mouth is gonna tell on what your heart condition truly is. So if he is not the Lord of your heart and if he's not the Lord of your life, this will let everybody know. And so as we continue to walk through this Christmas season and this Thanksgiving season, I want you guys to understand just the importance of being honest with where we're at in terms, whether it be our relationship with Christ, whether it be the things that we're going through inside of this life, 
whether it be, man, I'm, I'm really not being thankful right now. God, I need to work on my thankfulness. Find somebody to hold you accountable to those things. And this church is a great place to do that. The people here are really good at loving and they're really good at caring. And they will care and love you, especially you new faces who are just coming here for the first time. This is a place where we give thanks to the Lord. And we do that by praise and then also by obeying his commandments. Here's how our story finishes out. Verse 17, then Jesus answered, we're not 10 cleansed, where are the nine? So if we agree that Jesus is omniscient, which means he's all knowing, omnipresent, which means he's all there, and omnipotent, which means he's all powerful. Do you think Jesus knew where the, where the other nine were? Yeah. So why ask the question? If you look at Jesus's ministry, he asks pointed questions intentionally. And part of the reasons that he asks these pointed questions is that it progressively reveals who he is and his nature. And so asking an honest and earnest question, even though he already knows the answer, again, just shows the humility of Jesus. That's, that's the lesson right there, man, just the humility of Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, to be able to sit there and say, where are the other guys? And in his mind, I already know where they're at, but I'm still gonna humble myself to ask that question. Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner, this Gentile? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. The end of this verse, there are two possible meanings to, this, to the end of this verse. I'll give you one. The first one is this. Jesus is simply reemphasizing that his faith, that his belief, that his obedience inside of Christ has made him better and the leprosy was able to be able to be cured because of his obedience and through the miraculous workings of Jesus. Here's the other potential interpretation to that. It's a spiritual one. It was that his faith in Jesus, his belief in him, caused him to enter into a relationship with Christ and become not just physically healed, but spiritually healed as well. And as we go through this story, that's where we miss it. We look at the physical things that Jesus did and all the miracles that he worked, but we don't resonate at the depth to which he worked them, all the way down to the spiritual level. He took an unclean individual, a Samaritan, a Gentile, and he saved him. And unless we're of Jewish descent here, we're all Gentiles. And so as I read this message, I say, thank you, God, for allowing the Gentiles to come into the fold as well. Thank you for allowing me and all of us who have chosen to receive Christ in our hearts and to our lives, coming into this fold and being sheep in the fold of the good shepherd. And for that, I will praise and thank him evermore. So as you'll see at the bottom of this page, you'll see some key theological elements Here's what I don't want you to get consumed by, okay? Theology is great. It is awesome, it is wonderful. But don't get consumed so much by the theological elements that are present here that you miss out on the story and what we just walked through together. The reason I wanna highlight these for you, and this is why it's so important, is because my job is to go out here and to read the word of God and tell you what it means, right? It's to interpret it and to teach it. But our collective job, and I include myself in this, is to go and teach stories like this to other people inside of our community. 
that's what discipleship looks like. So how can we find some truths inside of this passage of scripture, some theological richness that we can go and that we can teach key components to other people? The first one that we can see, there's seven here that I listed for you. We're gonna go through them real quick, but there's more that are found in here. I just picked out the seven most prominent ones. The first one is faith, which is the belief, trust, and obedience to God as revealed in Jesus Christ. So faith, here's where a lot of people miss faith. We get belief, we get trust, but we forget to include obedience into faith. Faith is also an action. The action of those 10 lepers to actually go in faith and go walk to present themselves before the high, high priest and also the same faith that the Samaritan went and showed by coming back to Jesus and saying, you are Lord, you are God, and you're worthy of praise. Hope. This is an active, strong, and confident expectation that God will fulfill his faithful promises. So think about it like this, as these individuals are going and as they are walking to go present themselves for the high priest, there has to be a level of hope that this guy is not crazy and that we're actually gonna go and be healed. So again, we know that faith is a substance of things hoped for, not seen. So in hope, they are exhibiting faith by walking to go and be obedient to what Jesus had just commanded them. Love, in this context, we're talking about sacrificial. It gives first and expects nothing in return. What Jesus gave to those individuals was an act of love. And he didn't expect anything in return. So much so that only one individual came back. So when we are called to present the love of Christ to other people, we shouldn't expect always a thank you. We should go and we should praise God first and foremost for what he's doing, but also we should show the love of Christ without expecting a thanks and be willing to make that sacrifice. Mercy. This is what these lepers were crying out. This is God's kindness and compassionate care for all, especially to mankind. He is a compassionate God and he cares for you so much so that he gets to show you mercy. That he gets to withhold that judgment that we do deserve because of his compassion and his care. This is the next one. This is my favorite definition ever. Unmerited favor, it's grace. You didn't deserve it, I didn't deserve it, but it was still given to us. It is a gift that we get to treasure once we accept Christ into our hearts, into our lives. These last two are really big words. Justification, right? This is the saving gift of righteousness which comes through faith in Christ and makes human beings acceptable to God because apart from relationship with Christ, we are not acceptable because of our sin. It makes us dirty, it makes us unclean. And for those of us who are believers, we have this thing called sanctification that is in work. And this is the process of becoming more like Christ by purifying our hearts and minds through repentance, prayer, and spiritual practices. So what this means in a nutshell and in a broad definition is this. We have the ability to go before the Lord and come and repent and then continue to go and walk in our relationship with him. It doesn't disqualify us. And so it is a continual process for those of us who are believers that we get to walk through with God where we get to come to him and say, God, thank you for giving me the opportunity to act as my high priest, to act as my advocate. So that way I can come up here and say, I'm sorry. And that way you can forgive me of my sins and restore me as I continue to walk into this relationship with you. It is a beautiful thing. As the band makes her way back up to the stage, I just wanna give you one last little nugget of truth. Just one last little nugget. And here's what it is. As we go through this life together, as we walk through this journey of being Coastal Church and being Coastal Chesapeake, God has done so many things that we have to be thankful for here at this church. 
I remember, what is it now, Ben Brian, two years ago, a year and a half ago, something like that, we walked through this journey as we start this adoption process with this campus. And what I don't want us to miss in this moment, especially in this season of thankfulness, is that we thank God for all that he's done, what he's provided, the people that have walked into our hearts, into our lives, and the opportunity that we have to spend time together as not just a church, but also a family of believers collectively as we worship God. This is a place where we want you to feel admonished, encouraged, and equipped to be able to go reach the individuals inside of your neighborhood and the communities that God has placed around us. And as we continue to grow together, we have both the joys and the burdens of being able to walk through this life together. And that's the key, walking through life together, no matter what adversities arise, us, the church, will stay strong as we continue to go and reach people for the kingdom of God. We love you guys, and we're so excited for all the things that God is going to be doing in not only the remainder of this year, but also 2023 for his kingdom, especially here at Coastal Church. Father, thank you so much um, for this day, God. Thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to go and be thankful. Um, just thank you for the opportunity that we have just to come together and learn more about you. Father, I just pray that if uh, anybody here in this room does not have a relationship with you, Father, I pray that they would go and walk in that relationship with you, that they would believe inside their heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins, that he was buried, that he rose again from the grave three days later, claiming victory over death. Father, and that they would just profess with their mouth and confess that you are Lord. We know that those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Father, if there's anybody in this room that has not yet received that gospel message of truth, I pray that you would reconcile them back to you today and that we would come as a church and surround them with individuals to disciple them as they walk through this journey of being a believer in Christ. You're kind and good to us. Thank you for bringing dead things to life. Thank you for bringing spiritually dead things to life as well. And thank you for calling us sons and daughters. It's your sister, we pray. Amen.